Hello, everyone. I'm here for one of my stories. This is Lindsay Dunn. And with me, of course, is Anthony Black Cinephile. Good evening. Good evening. I finally got my Twitter back. <laughs> yes, there is some Twitter drama <laughs> for uh for Anthony, but it's all good I was now. Framed. Yeah. Right. <laughs> okay, so you guys know that we are recapping 1899. This is episode six, The Pyramid. So we finally get to have an episode all devoted to those pyramids and triangles. But it's interesting because I don't think I saw that many triangles this episode. I did spot an extra one this week. No, I didn't see that many this time. Mm -hmm. But the pyramid, you know, shows up. So Right, right. <laughs> it makes an appearance. It makes an appearance. <laughs> the shape formerly known as pyramid. <laughs> um. Yeah. So what are your overall thoughts about this episode before we dive in? So overall thoughts, um, I mean, things happen, but I feel like this is more dialogue heavy. I don't feel like like this episode was as strong as The Calling, um, which I, I think I said on the last episode was one of my favorite episodes because a certain character actually spoke. Uh, now you can I don't... say which character it is. <laughs> <laughs> oh, because uh, because the boy actually spoke. Mm -hmm. But in this one, you know, like I'm like, well, well, he says a few sentences and now I can't see him no more. Like, <laughs> how much more portrayal can I take? You know what I mean? Like, uh, so, um, yeah, I feel, like, I feel like this one was a little dialogue heavy. We got a we got a background of a new character. Um, you know, I wasn't a big fan of like, uh, and we'll get into it, like like one side of characters going this way and another side of characters going the other way for sake of plot. I was like, I, I don't like it when things are split up, but I feel like I you got to see some characters interact here um, and, and make some interesting moments. So yeah, I thought it was, not, it wasn't as better as, as the better episodes we've seen up this far, but I thought it was a solid episode. Yeah, I like to think of that now I think of that splitting up as the Stranger Things effect because the last couple seasons of Stranger Things have very much done that. You know, these mm. this group of characters over here and this group of characters in California. And you're waiting for the moment when they'll all come together. But I do agree that it did create some interesting dynamics, some different characters interacted than normally did, which brought out interesting points for some of that, some poignant moments between different mm -hmm. characters that hadn't interacted up to this point i did enjoy that aspect this episode if anything it gave a few more weirdo moments where what just happened and bringing oh yeah making the dream world and the real world touch so that you could see that they weren't so separate after all mm-hmm but this was a more, this was a more character-driven episode overall. Uh, I'd agree with that. They were trying to, uh, you know, give give some extra backstories and probably also build up for the big moment because we only have two episodes left. And while it was a little bit sad, we didn't see the boy. That's just delaying gratification for the moment I've been. <laughs> <laughs> has to lay eyes on him again which right right yeah i can't i really cannot wait for that i hope 
I, I hope it's not one of these things like they're not going to interact, especially since the series isn't being renewed. <laughs> that would be sad if they were like, we're going to save that for season season two and then we never see that but i really want the payoff of seeing that she did not win i really want her to have that moment um because it seems to me like she's kind of back to her ways but yeah we'll get into that she's sort of back into her ways uh maybe she's gotten over the morning and she's back into her delusions state of delusions right right um and like you said the we had a new featured character it was mm-hmm. great to get to see more of Tobey's backstory and get some more insight into why that family is as messed up as they are. So, um, the so the main conceit of this episode is that the last episode there were all the deaths, all the jumpings, mm-hmm. and there were. I think it was 17 characters left or some, you know, something to that effect. Mm -hmm. And in this episode, Ike splits everybody up and he gives everybody marching orders. So there is a group of men that Ling decides she's going to take along with the boys to say, we're going to go. They're supposed to go to the coal room and get the engine going again. We had Sebastian and the two priests staying in the bridge to send signals. The women were to look for survivors, except for Ling, who insists on staying with Bullock. And then Ike is going to find more ways to be alone (laughs) with Mara. Right, right. So we're going to divide those groups up and kind of follow along with them. So I wanted to start with the men's group. So that group is made out of Franz, Jerome, Lucien, Angel, and Olek, and by default, Ling. <laughs> mm-hmm. And the before we actually follow them, I was thinking that that moment is really interesting when they're in the bridge where he's giving everybody telling everybody what to do because everybody's kind of what's he saying <laughs> like on hell this <laughs> i feel like on hell this episode was just like what did he say right what the f's going on <laughs> so like to ask him what's going on <laughs> this was, yeah this wasn't a good episode for on hell at all he's yeah we'll we'll, we'll get into that but all right, so Franz, what what do we have to say about Franz this episode? He he didn't really have much material to work with. Franz, um, so remind me, uh, I I know them by their faces and their characteristics. He's the bearded one? guy with the blood all over his face. <laughs> Oh, the guy that started the mutiny? Yes, the guy that started the mutiny. Oh, yeah. Yeah, he he he's just looking around, just uh, you know, just uh nervous the whole time. He's he's not given much to work with. Mm-hmm. The one thing I noticed about him is that when Tove has having her first vision and she wakes up, you mm-hmm. know, the prologue and all that, she wakes up and she's got the rifle and she's like, Where's the boy? And all of a sudden 
she's ready to blame the boy and Franz actually gets up and he's got his rifle and at first I thought you know someone went over to Tove and kind of calmed her down and I had initially thought that person was Franz then I realized no that's her dad mm-hmm. but the you know Franz and Tove have kind of become buddies in a way but Tove's not her really herself this episode at all right so he also he was the one that like you said started the mutiny but now he's in a situation where he's having to work for the captain again and uh you know the di- the power dynamic has shifted very quickly mm-hmm. so that must be really awkward for him and when they go into the boiler room it's o- Olek who is the one that knows what's going on and has the frame of mind to say, okay, here's a shovel for you. Here's a shovel for you (laughs) and divide up the labor. But yeah, Franz not doing much this episode. He's not, he's not really in a position of power, but nobody's, nobody's really treating him badly. Which was nice to see that they're not, you know, people aren't taking it as an opportunity. Like, we're going to get revenge on you now, you big jerk. Yeah, there's bigger potatoes to worry about than Franz. Exactly. So then in the, also in the group, we had Jerome, who also doesn't have a lot to do this episode. Mm -hmm. But uh, most of his screen time is with his interactions with Lucian. So we might talk about those two together and what happened to Mm -hmm. them in the coal room. Yep. Should I start? (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I'm I'm sorry. I thought thought it was more I don't want to be like, just take, you know, like I wanted to give you opportunity. Yeah. So I, I like the, um, the kind of resolution there, but it's still a little bit of like, woe is me type of stuff that um is it's getting very annoying by this point. I know that's his character, but, um you know, so when he's talking to Jerome, you know, he's like, uh, it's like, listen, man, like, um you know, like, uh, you got your wish. I know you've hated me all these years. Now I got this, you know, um, debilitating, like, like thing in me that uh you know I I'll, I'll probably be dead by tomorrow or by the time we reach our destination or whatever. He's, he's so you know of course Jerome's going to look bad cuz Jerome doesn't want him to die. He probably hates his guts, but he doesn't want him to die. Jerome is humane. You know Jer- Jerome has some, you know, he has a conscience. He has he has humanity in him. But I just don't like the whole woe is me thing. Like I think in earlier episodes I was the guy that was kind of like defend not defending his character <laughs> character but defending the way his character is like oh I guess he has a right to be that way. He's he's he he's about to die. But I'm on this one. I'm like, okay, man, we get it. But you know, you you literally ruined this guy's life. You know, it's not the time to say, you know, mm-hmm. I'm uh, I'm on my way out of here. Don't cry for me, Maria, or whatever that whatever the name of that song is. <laughs> hey, Maria. Argentina. <laughs> Argentina. Don't cry for me, Argentina. Like this this ain't. It's not. It's not the time to make it about you. Hmm. Yeah, I felt exactly the same way. He ends his tirade 
by saying, the only thing you wanted to see was for me to die and fate has <laughs> given you what you what you wanted. And it reminded me of when he's in the in the room with Clemens and saying, you don't care if I live or die and just sort of over the top victimizing making it sound like he's he's the victim mm -hmm. and you know he makes he starts the whole thing by saying i'm really i want to tell you yeah man i'm sorry man about everything <laughs> and i liked how jerome says really so what are you sorry for exactly that you're a liar mm -hmm. or that you put me in a prison basically and uh he says you got Jerome uh yeah Jerome says you got what you wanted which yeah okay he's sort of in a little way he's doing the same thing Lucy and is saying and he says right. you're wrong I didn't get what I wanted I got what I deserved <laughs> um <laughs> and also I'm starting to think Lucian is and I, I think we had talked about this before that he may or may not be really that sick. Like who's given him this idea? Because in the last episode, he told Clements that he might have months to live, you know, a few months because of his mm -hmm. seizures. And now it's days because of this thing in my brain. You know, he didn't mention that to Clements. So is he just inventing symptoms at this point? What do you call that when you're, I can't remember now, what do you call it when you keep imagining you have an illness? Uh, it, is it Munchausen or is it Stockholm Syndrome? It's one of those. Uh, no, a hypochondriac. Oh, it, that's what okay. it is. When you're like, uh, you think you have every disease and then, yeah. But he does mention there's a doctor in America who will, who's going to do an operation on me. He's never done it on a person who is alive before. Mm -hmm. And he might be able to get this out of my brain. So as soon as he mentioned the word brain, my little spidey sense went up <laughs> wondering who, what doctor was going to do this operation. Oh, that's a nice connection. I didn't think of that. Could it be Dr. Mora? <laughs> <laughs> or Dr. Henriette? <laughs> or Dr. Singleton? Yeah. It since it since it's seeming more and more like these passengers are players on a chessboard. Um yeah. It's it does make you wonder if each of them have been led to the ship under false pretenses. Like one of them is hearing voices from God. One of them is promised an operation of some kind. Mm -hmm. So they're all going to this new life they think will be better. But is it really just is there somebody like a puppeteer just pulling all their strings? Mm hmm. Yeah, but there we go. Lucian is going to Lucian, <laughs> as you would say. <laughs> Lucian's going to Lucian. There it is. He's going to feel... Jerome. Yeah, go yeah, ahead. Jerome... No, I was going to say Jerome's going to Jerome. You know what I'm saying? He's going to he's gonna uh, feel empathy as, as his character usually does, you know? know if... Well, we talked about Jerome. He's the fighter, right? Um... Oh, yeah, he's definitely a fighter. 
Yeah. So I haven't been necessarily shown he has a heart of gold, but he has to, he has to, he's a good person. He always, but he, he's used to having to fight off attackers all the time, people out to get him. I think my, I think my heart of gold kind of feeling about him comes from he had he had ample opportunity to get revenge on Lucian this whole time. It's just ample opportunity. Mm-hmm. You know, this he could have took his girl, you know, mm-hmm. he could he could have he could have done a lot of things, could have pushed him overboard. But this whole time, as you know, as as it begrudges him to do so, he he he's always done the right thing. Like, or the thing where he thinks is the right thing. Like when everyone was jumping off overboard, he tied all of them together and said, look. I don't know. If, I don't know if there's a disease spreading that that's making people jump off, but I'm going to tie us up together, you know. So I, I that's where I look at the. I guess that's where I look at the empathy part. Like he, he feels sorry for this guy that betrayed him. You know what I'm saying? His own wife don't even like him. Like he, he didn't really win the prize in the end. Mm-hmm. Well, that's very true. When he can't, yeah. he tied up Clemens and he tied up Lucian. Right. And when Lucian talks to him. And tells him all the stuff. He actually listens to him. Mm-hmm. Somebody else could be said, I don't want to hear this. Do I care? Like, I don't care. Right. right. So, yeah, it's a good point. Yeah, I want to believe the best about Jerome all the time. <laughs> so <laughs> <laughs> He's a good character. Yeah. He's definitely an interesting character and a very cool character as well. So, Angel's in there as well. But as we said, he's just kind of looking around. What did he say? And yeah, I thought it was this episode. I, what I was noticing about Angel is when they're they the acting is so good in the show. Like mm-hmm. when they're walking through the they're all walking through the hallway. Which hey, there's many ways you can walk, right? But right, right. the way that Angel walked into that boiler room really said so much because you can tell he hasn't worked a day in his life. <laughs> <laughs> he's like looking so awkward like oh you're giving me the shovel you know you want me to work okay and he's not dressed for the right he's not dressed for the occasion at all which i mean clemens Mm -hmm. isn't either but i'm saying he's wearing his like white linen pants and this dress shirt and and then we have characters like franz and tove who like have dirt all over their faces right and never seemed to wash, you know, wash or anything. So he just he's he's the picture of rich, <laughs> rich boy. <laughs> um. All right, so then we have Olick and Ling, which are now they're two peas in a pod. You can you won't be able to separate them anymore. Mm-hmm. The rest of this episode. So what did you notice about Olick? And yeah, in particular with him going up to the coal shoveling the coal that whole scene was probably his best moment in this episode yeah i mean i um i like the idea of olik and ling uh you know no being together and having a close moment uh it was something that was unexpected well not too unexpected because they've linked before but like um it feels like a lot of will they won't they uh or maybe like two out of three will they won't they relationships are kind of like brought to the forefront here and kind of like touched on or kind of flirted with 
but I, I like uh, I like the connection between Oleg and Ling. I thought that was a pretty good scene. Mm-hmm. This had, you know, back in the first episode, we see they kept sending Oleg. You know, when the when the coal gets stuck, Oleg's the one that goes up, which comes in handy in this case. Right. So he goes up there and he you know ling follows him and there's this picture the picture of the statue of liberty Mm -hmm. and she sees it and worries that that means he has a girl a girlfriend of some kind sending him love notes Mm -hmm. Uh, yeah so we saw this picture in i believe it was the very first episode he was looking at it and of course we wondered all right well where who is this who sent him this picture and what's the story behind it? And we find out that it belongs to his brother or he was given it by his brother. But then he says, it's a long story. So we don't get to hear much about that. Who knows if we'll, if we'll hear more about Oleg um, in this, in this case, but the captain definitely recognizes him as having leadership skills because he's you know he's the first person that he names for this work Mm -hmm. and the other thing i noticed is in the hallway when they were walking through to the boiler room um you know he and ling are walking together and she turns around and looks at lucian and Oleg notices this but he's too classy of a guy to say anything Mm -hmm. but uh that was, it was like, I don't know, like Ling was like remembering, oh yeah, this is that guy that had that weird seizure on the <laughs> ground in front of me. Lucy is good, Lucy. Yeah. <laughs> so I wasn't sure if she was, if she was kind of clinging to Oleg because she was worried Jerome would try to start another weird conversation with her or not. Mm-hmm. Um but yeah, she seems it's almost like well, Ling is a very nervous personality. Yeah, I think she has to be. I mean, I think I think it's uh it's understandable how she is. And plus, you know, you gotta understand a lot of these people have like like lost people. Mm-hmm. I mean, like Ling Ling's just lost her mom. So I can understand how she's more clingy to somebody she has a connection with, uh being Oleg uh than anyone else. I mean, I doubt there's a connection with uh Virginia. Who we'll get into later but you know like it, it makes sense why she clings to him yeah well that's a really good point because if ling had gone with the women she mm-hmm. would have been with virginia so yeah but and nobody really besides lucian and virginia those are the only two of these survivors that know ling's backstory and what she was really doing on the ship you know, so sure. she has some stuff. She has some secrets to hide. Even though Virginia's, I don't know, she's not seeming as mean anymore. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this was this was a wild episode for her. Okay, well, we'll get into it. Yeah, exactly. So the next group that was called out was Sebastian and the two priest quote unquote <laughs> so that's yeah. another thing where he's like okay well nobody really understands what everybody's saying especially Ramiro and and Anker they're probably 
Well, Anker might understand what Ike is saying because he has that. They have the German connection, the Germanic connection of the language. But she mm-hmm. says, um, you know, Ramiro, I'm remembering in episode one, he's, you know, they're like, we'd like a priest to come with this. Who, me? <laughs> <laughs> right, right. <laughs> Okay, so uh, Sebastian is supposed to teach these two how to send a, a help signal so they can mm-hmm. send coordinates and a help signal to somebody. So let's talk about Sebastian and his, you know, he had he doesn't do much this episode, but he has a pretty interesting um, you know, he has a pretty interesting thing he's with these two men and is not is obviously annoyed that Mm -hmm. he's playing babysitter i guess to these two dudes when he has something really important to do right right he needs to talk to the creator i guess um Mm -hmm. well do we know who the we don't know for sure he's the creator but it's it's looking like he is right and so he he's kind of does the old, oh, it's not going to work anyway, <laughs> and just leaves and uh, ends up going to talk to Henry Singleton in mm-hmm. the Pyramid Sphere. So they had an interesting interaction here. The Henry says, tells him you broke protocol and the situation got out of hand how much longer 48 hours for the transfer and the boy find him we need the pyramid mm-hmm. and you know how much depends on the success of the project and this is this weird speech that's in the trailer one of the trailers uh henry says people are oblivious to reality they only see what they want to see imprisoned by their minds restrictions and he holds out the black one of the black crystals it's a great line. yeah and it um he holds it out these are the same black crystals which we're going to talk about more but they are dangerous somehow mm-hmm. if you touch them you get infected and it spreads but he when he holds it out to sebastian sebastian reaches his hand out and then it all just sort of turns into dust. And he says, when all they have to do is shift their perspective to see the full scope of things. And that's it. That's the end of his big speech. <laughs> um, yeah. yeah. So what what did you think when you heard that? I mean, I thought it was an interesting powwow. Um, but I, I love that line you just said where people are, uh, where he talks about people being in prison. Because uh, it, it leads to a surprising twist later in a Mora's kind of like, I don't want to know if it's her 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 memory dream world. I call it their memory dream world that they go into when they go through the portals in their in their rooms. But um, you know, it feels like the ship is a prison to these characters. Mm-hmm. You know, they feel like they're going somewhere, they're going to a new destination, a new world, as some characters have put it. Uh, but it, it by this point it's becoming a prison. You know what I mean? So uh, I thought that I thought that line in the dialogue was very telling. The shift your perspective line really ties into Mora and um, uh, that that uh, 
that great talk she has with Daniel that we'll get into. Um, so yeah, I thought I thought there were a few lines in that um exchange that were telling. Uh still very enigmatic, which on episode six out of eight is still like, dang, you still uh you still <laughs> you still got us at length. You're still not showing all your all your your full hand. So um yeah, that's how I felt about it. So the Henry character tells Sebastian, you broke protocol. What do you think he was referring to when he said you broke protocol? If I remember correctly, I think Sebastian was one of the first characters we saw. Well, I think don't I think the only character we saw that was uh, actually sending messages um, at one point earlier on in the series uh, using that machine. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think maybe protocol was maybe sending in the wrong message. Maybe it was sending the message at the wrong time. Maybe he sent the message too early before the experiment or whatever this project is plays out a little further. So I'm I'm kind of I'm kind of wondering how he broke protocol myself because I'm not sure. Mm-hmm. Like if you review some of the actions he took, one action he took was not revealing the boy was under the bed. Hmm. Um, he told the group, the mutineers, he told them about the boy and said it was the boy's fault. He sent <clears throat> he sent the signals, like you mentioned. Mm. He also he also um, puts Wilhelm out of commission. You know, he mm. uses his machine to knock him out. <laughs> um, he was really annoyed. And so that could have been it. Um, but yeah, those were the main actions he's taken. You know, he gave the sink ship. He's given the sink ship order both times to Ike. He's the one that delivered that message. But the main thing I remember, the, the out of all those things, I was wondering if it was that he didn't help find the boy under the bed. Like maybe he prolonged, maybe he was supposed to immediately show the panel or something. But yeah, I don't know. It, I was thinking about... It makes more sense, like... Yeah, that it, that could be it. But one of the things you said where he says um, sending out signals or telling him it's the boy, maybe him interfering broke protocol. Maybe he's supposed to be passive during all of this. And mm. maybe he took more of an active role than he should have. Yeah. Because he mentions as his defense that things, the situation got out of hand. I mean, mm-hmm. a mutiny is <laughs> a situation getting out of hand. So For sure. Yeah, I'm not sure how it was you know, did it seem more out of hand than normal? Because we're getting the sense more and more that this isn't the first time they've been through this, especially since the boy tells Daniel flat out, this is the furthest we've ever gotten before. So they're they're repeating some kind of cycle. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, but he broke protocol. So interesting line there. And we need the pyramid. Now we know the pyramid has some sort of powers because the boy was able to use it to stop time. Mm-hmm. Um, but what do they do with the pyramid? You know, um, what are the? And it's interesting. The boy is keeping that from him, almost like protecting it. Mm-hmm. Um. Yeah. So I don't know. It's 
the other thing is he held out the the crystals to Sebastian and right. Sebastian like reaches out and it looks like he's not sure what's going to happen. So does that, yeah, I was try trying to figure out how to take that too. Does that mean Sebastian is normally scared to touch the crystals or this is the first time he's asked him to do that because it would be like, you know, your shoes are untied. <laughs> we did this last time, you know, like <laughs> how he right, like, right, pulled it right. out and then it disappeared. If he uh, knew what was going to happen. Yeah. Maybe. I mean, obviously it's not the first time they spoke together and this may not be the first time this project has been put into effect on this ship. Uh, really telling through like a, a a moment that happens towards the end, which we'll get to, but because I got a theory about that, but I would say, you know, yeah, maybe it's kind of a, oh, fool me once, you know, fool me twice. <laughs> uh, like George Bush said, yeah, you fool me, I can't get fooled again. <laughs> I love quoting that. Um. All right, so with Sebastian, that's his deal. Ramiro and Anker, I kind of really loved their their being paired up for this. I did too. Yeah. What did you tell me what you thought about it? I just thought uh Ramiro uh you know uh finally found his calling. It was it was a calling he didn't want, but I love how the show puts him in a position, you know, where he 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 talks with them. And, you know, of course, he's talking about the loss of uh, Christer, right? And like his 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 wife, you know, looking too much into this hearing God's voice thing to the point where it's, you know, it's like as the as the patriarchal point of his family, as the in, in you know, traditional families being the one that gives the end all be all like, hey, listen, this is what we're going to do. He feels, you know, marginalized and he feels saddened by the loss of his son. And I like how Ramiro takes that time to go, all right, I'm not really a priest, but this guy's lost his faith. Let me just, let me put on the role to uh, mm -hmm. console him. I, I, I just thought that was a beautiful moment. Um, in the episode where I did, in the episode that I didn't feel was as strong as other episodes, that was a pretty strong, well-written moment. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and this, again, we talked about how this was a, a slower episode. There were an awful lot of, of nice speeches and I've written those down <laughs> to maybe mm -hmm. make some, uh, some some social media posts but um Anker says I never wanted to be a priest I was a farmer like my father and grandfather we didn't have a lot of money but we were happy but then something happened we find out what that something is later mm -hmm. and the, after that his wife started to hear voices and it seemed like it made her feel hope and that it made him feel hope too but that he just wanted her to be happy. But then he says, I'm a liar, though. I've never heard his voice. And if I'm honest, I don't believe he exists. And he mm. looks so sad in this moment. Yeah. And then Ramiro just holds his hands and says, I don't. I think he says something very simple, like, I don't know, but all your sins will be forgiven. And he does it in such a way that it's still comforting mm -hmm. and um and then Anker just says thanks and he seems to feel better but it was it was nice to see this man who I the both of them I mean like Anker's been in a lot of pain this whole show 
mm-hmm. pretty much the the whole time, except for maybe at the very very beginning when he was praying for the for the people. Mm-hmm. He, well, he was faking it, I, I guess, but mm-hmm. he's been sort of mourning on his own and just feeling sad. And then for Ramiro, who isn't a priest, they're both, you know, he's also, he's a servant. He's a Portuguese servant, mm-hmm. but he is a very kind, he's a kind person. Yes. And um, so he still comforts him in his time of need. Um, but they... The, then things turn funny because they, after that, <laughs> when the ship starts working, Ramiro just gives him that giant <laughs> kiss and Augur looks so shocked. Yeah, that look he gave him. I remember watching it and just busted out laughing. <laughs> that was so funny. Yeah. I was like, I wonder if, I mean, now, Ramiro is from a, he's from a portuguese culture he's he's portuguese and he um you know they i in that culture i don't know if they did it back then but now mm-hmm. if you've seen they do like the two kisses on the cheek and it, mm-hmm. it's a very expressive culture so i yeah i was like oh i wonder if danish um if danish people don't uh, show affection like that. <laughs> yeah, I don't but, know either. I, I but I thought it made for a pretty funny moment. <laughs> it did. Um, but then for the only other thing with these guys is once that ship turns on, then they realize, yeah, their whole line uh, sort of towards the end was more comedic than anything. Because then they mm-hmm. they realize, ooh, who's steering? Who's steering the ship? It's, it's almost like. A Marx Brothers moment, you know, are you going to do it? No. And and then, um, okay, well, how do we find it out? And Romeo grabs the coordinates and then Anker starts reading a book. And Romeo's like, are you kidding? <laughs> that's not how you learn how to steer a ship. And that's when they find the weird words in the book. I Before we go there, I just... Yeah. Well, how else are you supposed to learn? I mean, there has to be directions <laughs> somewhere. How, how else are you supposed to learn how to steer a ship? Because I thought about that at first. I said, well, yeah. there's no other way. <laughs> well, why? I don't know. You might try going. I mean, how far was the boiler room? I would think it wasn't too far, but I would be like, hey, can mm-hmm. someone come up here and help steer the ship? Um, but I don't know. It's, it's um, but also... What about that old stereotype that guys don't read directions? I mean, looking at a book? Just I don't wing know. It. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe. Yeah. I mean, Ramiro's approach was, okay, here's the coordinates. I'm going to put my two fingers. <laughs> it's like, it kind of reminded me of elementary school and use your protractor or whatever. Right here. <laughs> okay. So now what do we do? Um, but yeah, the... It was just more funny than anything that oh yeah, it's hilarious. Guys are trying to figure out how to steer a ship. And then they realize all the books are fake. They're like they're they're like the books you see at a, a house they're trying to sell, like the fake books, right? The decorative mm-hmm. books. I don't know. 
May your coffee kick in before reality does. Yeah, that know. stumped me. I don't, I don't know what the hell that meant. <laughs> like I said, this 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 show keeps throwing us curveballs, and we're already six episodes in. Yeah, you know that it's very unfortunate. But those I actually knew about those words already because people shared those memes very quickly. Those pictures and. Even as, okay. even as I tried to avoid spoilers, I ended up I knew that that those that was coming because like people kept quoting that. But yeah, I you know I don't know if anybody knows what it actually means. <laughs> it's just yeah, like... I'm lost. I I don't know what it means. <laughs> mm-hmm. Or maybe it doesn't mean anything. Maybe it's or it could be like oh it's a code because we've had you know codes of triangles. You know it's a code mm-hmm. for something. It might be Could like be. one of those phrases you say, like a charm to hypnotize you. Um, yeah, who knows? Like when you read these words, you will wake up. Yeah. Everybody's obsessed with waking up in this episode. All right, well, let's march on then to... The ladies, Mrs. Wilson mm-hmm. and her group were given the task to look for survivors. And this is an interesting group. We have Mrs. Wilson speaking English. We have Clements speaking French. And then we have Ivan and Tove. Now, at one point, Virginia, Mrs. Wilson says, we should split up. But instead of saying, well, you two people that can actually talk to each other <laughs> go this way. And and she knew some French, right? Because she had, um, you know, she could communicate with Lucy and she's probably well-traveled, like you mentioned before. Mm-hmm. She doesn't go with Clements, though. She sticks, she sticks with, the, she sticks, she splits the Danish women up. So I don't know. I I think now that made for some interesting character moments, but mm-hmm. why do you think she was that? Did she make that call for a reason, or was that just a writing choice? Um, I think it was a writing choice. You know, I think it was a writing choice to set up uh two characters that could that could connect. Um, and we talked about this way from the beginning. Just connect through um universal body language and uh facial readings i think it was a writing choice uh, personally mm-hmm. yeah i think you're right i i don't think it there was any kind of deliberate um thing behind it with with virginia she wasn't like let's let the old ladies and the young ladies <laughs> work it strikes together. Me, yeah it strikes me as virginia's not really in control this episode i feel like mm-hmm. she's uh she's not bitten off more than she could chew, but realizes like the the situation she's in is way in over her head. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's true. She would she didn't come at it like, all right, ladies, opportunity. At, what is it? like? Her, she didn't say one of her phrases like desire right, right. meets opportunity. Let's take our opportunity to search these rooms. So she's not like all confident about it. Same as with Angel, she's out of her comfort zone 
so when when they they split up, we have Virginia and Ivan that go off together. Now they had their dynamic isn't quite as interesting as Tove and Clement. So let's start with mm-hmm. Mrs. Wilson and Ivan. Um, so there's a, a lot of sorry for your loss this episode. And that's one of the first things that comes out of of Virginia's mouth when mm-hmm. she actually talks to Ivan. But this is where Ivan says, um, you know, she sort of gets this really proud look on her face and says, they say we each write our own story, but that's not true. It has already been written. God writes our story. There's nothing you can do but accept his choices. Everything that happens is part of his plan. Mm. Uh, and as she she says, the other thing that's interesting to note is when Ivan, when this happens, Ivan is in the room staring at something on the wall. She's kind of in a corner staring at with holding her lantern. Mm-hmm. And that's when Virginia comes up. And then when Ivan, Ivan makes her speech, walks away. And that's when Virginia moves closer and sees, you know, this the uh black crystals so mm-hmm. yeah do you think h- how do you think Ivan's of course does Virginia understand what Ivan is saying who knows but what how did you read how she accepted Ivan's message like what did how do you think it impacted her or did it I think Virginia might have low-key been a little terrified it, it's, she strikes me as a woman that, um, I mean, we all try to seize our own destiny and, and write our own destiny. That's just part of being human. But for her to actually hear from someone who, you know, may be a little crazy, but, you know, Virginia doesn't know that to say, oh, well, you, you know, we don't write our story. God does. It's already written. I think that's terrifying to Virginia because she just strikes me as a person that she wants to know what the next two moves on the chess chessboard is. She doesn't want some omnipotent being to know. And for her to be lost as to what's going to happen to her. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, it, it gets even more worse when she runs into the black crystals and things get even more unpredictable in her view. So I think I think it kind of shook her a little bit. Right. They probably have a very different outlook on life. Because yeah. I do think Virginia probably is a proponent of the we write our own story. All of her speeches have very much been about seizing the moment, seizing opportunity, mm-hmm. being, I don't know, a self-made woman <laughs> instead of a self-made man. Mm-hmm. So that's, yeah, Ivan's words probably are a little off-putting to her. And guess, yeah, she has absolutely no response, which how often have we seen Virginia be speechless you know, but but it doesn't happen very often. So she really didn't have a, anything to say. But that's when she comes forward and sees these weird and strange black crystals. Which you know, I I completely forgot to mention. We saw those when the men were walking down the hallway too. They were. That's the first. Well, we first see it in the um, like the panel, one of the panels on the ships. It fires up and i think it might have been the one in the prometheus because it was mm-hmm. the ship looked very abandoned 
and you had the black crystals just multiplying. Then when the men are coming down the hall, the black crystals start appearing on the on the ceiling. But Daniel stops Franz, or I think it's Franz, from touching the black crystals. With yeah, he tells him like yeah, he tells him not to touch him. Yeah, yeah. With Virginia, there's nobody there to stop her, so she's the one that gets pricked by these crystals. So, uh, what did you think of the crystals overall? Like, did you have any thoughts about those silly things? They're just multiplying everywhere. I I guess my thought about them were. They might be a signal that we're coming to an end or that this project is coming to an end. This whatever this thing is with these people on this ship, whether this is an experiment or not, is coming to an end. The crystals are starting to um, the crack, the the cracks are starting to show, so to speak. That's how I looked at them Mm. metaphorically. Um, And I think it does uh, lead to like, okay, there's going to be a transformation of some sort. And we might first see what's going to happen through Virginia. She was the guinea pig. Mhm. Yeah, it's very much like we've already heard from Sebastian that it's 48 hours until something happens. Um mm-hmm. I can't remember what that is now. But um yeah, oh, 48 hours for transfer. Mm. So they have 2 days and like you said maybe things are deteriorating. Um, but it was it was almost like a almost like a disease or a virus spreading because right. it starts small and then uh you know starts creeping up her finger then later I was afraid it was gonna be her whole uh, farther along on her body but it, it seemed like by the episode the end of the episode it's just still on her hand or her arm. But it definitely mm-hmm. makes her nervous right away that she has this black goop on her on her hand. But yeah, I didn't have any wild guesses about it really, except for um, that it was that it was obviously spreading and it wasn't good. <laughs> yeah, whatever happens, I'm I'm worried for her. I'm worried. I don't, I don't know where it's, I don't know where this is going to go, but uh, I'm I'm very worried. Mm-hmm. And will it mess up her beautiful green dress? We also have to wonder about that. <laughs> maybe, maybe. I think that's the least of her worries. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So then we also had Clemens and Tobe that go off and do a search. Now I mentioned that, that I had spotted a new triangle and that mm-hmm. was Clemens her hair piece that is holding her hair up has an upside down triangle in a circle. Uh, so I was like, oops, spotted a new triangle. Uh, this, these two ladies, um, you know, had, they, so with this episode, Clemens is, going off on her own (laughs) she's finding her Mm -hmm. own thing here she says uh i always wanted children until my sister had her 
two, first two, and they are quite annoying. I don't know about you, but I was really <laughs> surprised that that was her speech. I was expecting her to say, I've always wanted kids. And because she was asking Tobe when she was due, and she says they are quite annoying. It's all those things you want when you're little, fall in love, get married, have children. But it ends up being the total opposite than what you imagine. <laughs> now, who did that sound like, that part? <laughs> Oh, Lucian. Exactly. <laughs> Lucy. I uh I love I love the contrast between this scene between um between them, Clements and Tove and um uh Ramiro and um you know Tove's father. Like I love how Ramiro says, Okay, let me let me think of something to say to cheer this this old man up. And Clemens is just like, Yeah, kids, forget about it. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. It's- I don't know. I I do I did now that I think about it in the first episode I remember that Clemens was saying sort of I don't know she was just trying to make conversation but she was at breakfast mm-hmm. and going like oh isn't it funny that the ships disappeared ha 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 <laughs> and <laughs> just sort of not speaking before really thinking and this is kind of one of those moments where she's yeah it's not exactly the thing you would want to say to somebody who's getting ready to have a baby kids are so annoying um but she's it turns out she's making the speech because she really admires tove and how brave she is she calls her brave and free and then she does this thing with the pants so (laughs) i love that line yeah, talk to us about the pants, Anthony. So at some point, um, you know, Clemens puts on pants and she says something that was that was so funny to me. I don't know if that's true or not, but she said, um, she said, she said it's like uh it's like men created dresses, uh, so women can't wouldn't be able to run far. They they created dresses and heels so women wouldn't be able to run far. Mm-hmm. And she said that line while while putting on some pants. And I thought about that. I said, man. I don't know if that's true, but that would make sense. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it was definitely an interesting scene where she decides to put on pants and forget about the skirt. This this sort of, I don't know, almost gave me another theory because Maura has been this whole time wearing pants and nobody's ever said anything about it. Uh, you know, she's wearing those, it's those kind of balloon pants that look, make it look like a skirt. So nobody can really notice until she's down crawling around in a tunnel, like with, she is with Ike, but mm-hmm. she put, you know, Clemens puts on these pants and I was like, huh, that's interesting um clemens is sort of like i want to be free i want to be independent and mara is very much a very free and independent person as well as virginia and it sort of got me thinking about a theory that these characters are part of mara's like personalities like different personalities of mara mm-hmm. you know if they have aspects of her character if each of them might have an aspect of her character to them interesting thought yeah it's, it's very interesting um 
I don't know. I I different facets of her character. I mean, maybe, but I I I don't think I see it as that. I think they're all their own characters, but they they um they do blend alike. Like not just not just with more separated, but more included. Mm-hmm. Yeah, just a wild one of my wild theories. <laughs> um. Hey. So so Toe. This is this is Tobe's episode mm-hmm. mainly. So uh, I feel like her her story had in the origin of it, the way that it played out, had a yeah. lot in common with the things that Ike saw at the beginning, right? Because he kept seeing mm-hmm. his daughter kind of run through the ship, and then he ends up following her into the in the dreamscape and the same with with tove she uh, she sees ada mm-hmm. as a, you know as a child like kind of laugh she hears her laughing and sort of running and playing then she mm-hmm. starts seeing visions of crester kind of walking through and then we end up getting to see like this big moment from her past which is mm-hmm pretty telling um so it turns out that we well we find out quite a few things we find out how crester got his scars Mm -hmm. and then we find out how tove ended up pregnant so um you know this is what i think happened so and you can tell me if you saw anything different than I did. The way that I interpreted it was that Crester had had some sort of sexual or romantic relationship with the man's son, the man with the rifle that kept. Mm-hmm. Um, so he, the father, his father had found out. Um, I don't know what that man's name is. I need to find that out. But the man had a son Crester and the son had somehow had a dalliance mm-hmm. and the man viewed that as theft. Now I wasn't, I thought it was possible that he thought Crester had actually stolen something from him, like a physical object, or it could right. just be that he stole his son's, I don't know, innocence or purity by, right, by right. having a relationship with him. And, you know, Crestor ends up getting shot, but also then the man decides to rape Tove and sexually assault her. Mm-hmm. And the family has been tied up, but they, when she wakes up, he's, she, he's in the middle of the assault and they're all like not looking. They won't even look. Right, right. <laughs> And then Tove has to like save herself. So it was almost like she was the one who had to pay for Crester's crimes. Mm-hmm. Um, the one who had to pay. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's pretty much how I saw it. Um, I think because the line that came first was uh you stole something from me. I thought it was I thought he actually did steal something. And then he tells the telling line of like, you know, 
you know, you, you did what you did to my son. I was like, okay, that that's what it is. It's not an object. He's he's mad because you know him and his son had had a um you know a love affair. Um, but I I think that's an interesting way of looking at it. She's always she's paid for Cresta's crimes, and that's that's kind of like you you tell in their relationship that's that's something that's always made Cresta guilty before he uh before he walked the plank. Um, yeah, that's kind of how I looked at that too. But I didn't make that connection that that she paid for his crimes. And that's how, that's that's what leaves them to be the estranged brother and sister that they are in the beginning. I don't know if that's his kid though, you know, because she she got him before he stopped or, you know, or, so that's why I was like, hey, is, that, is that really his kid? But I don't know, it could be. Mm, right, but she was passed out for quite a bit. I don't know. Yeah. Uh, but I mean, Crestor did get shot. So it's not like he got off Scott free or anything but Mm -hmm. what I mean is I was putting myself in her shoes and thinking about how frightening that would be if I was you know he basically the man says now I'll take you stole something from me so now I'll steal something from you but the thing he steals is he's like I'm going to rape your daughter and her father her mother and her brother are ineffectual in stopping this from happening right none of them are Mm -hmm. either they are powerless to it to happen or they were too fearful or scared to try to stop it so they allow it to happen and it really does explain so much of you know this how tove has been tove has been treating crester she probably has quite a bit of resentment, I would say, maybe for her family. Mm-hmm. You know, she was upset at her mom. She's upset at her dad for um, for not being strong enough to protect her. And then Crestor on the ship here, you know, here he did this and then she has to carry this burden now of having this child that she didn't want Mm -hmm. and then the mom keeps saying you're chosen oh this is a good thing it's wonderful and um you know how does crester deal with that well he's (laughs) he's getting gonna hook up with angel now i mean tove was really ticked off and we were sort of like why are you being so mean to crester but it's like she was the one that had she ended up having consequences for his his inability to control himself. Mm-hmm. So there's a lot. I don't know. There's a lot to process with. I, I don't know. For me, it made a lot of sense how she's probably pretty angry at her family. Yeah. Yeah, I agree too. Uh, yeah, it definitely added some great backstory to her character. Uh, it was interesting that I didn't see her little sister throughout all of that. Like, I respect she would be around during all of that happening. Um, but instead, they mentioned she was... that she's um, the man asked, Where is she? and they, they right. say she's at school, right? Yeah, oh, okay, yeah, she's at school. Um, yeah, okay, well, I guess I, I at least would have expected Tobey to get that last moment mm-hmm. with her, uh, with her little sister, but you know. Mm-hmm. it's a flashback so i guess she wasn't there for the flashback 
Yeah. And going back to that, I don't know, we talked about religious fervor and how that can impact you a certain way. And the mom's like, instead of getting before she was probably really upset that this happened to her family Mm -hmm. and then she's able to turn it around and say well god is going to bless this baby and this family by calling us to build this church and right you know making it into a blessing quote unquote so yeah a lot it really made i really feel like it made a lot of sense about what kind of put clicks and pieces and pieces into place that have been missing i agree all right so the last group is daniel mora and ike yeah i i i i i, I, I i'm holding my anticipation for that mic drop moment because uh it's just so many questions i have yeah so uh Maura and Ike just their job is they're going to go look for the boy and this episode man I've never seen so many smoldering glances (laughs) hand holds and you know just staring into each other's eyes for no reason and then one or the other of them says oh we better keep looking let's keep looking now uh yeah yeah they, yeah the sexual uh the sexual chemistry was was real in this one yeah i say first first i saw ling and um and, and my man and then it came down to them i was like oh wow they swinging for the fences on this one um yeah so yeah let's just dive into this so uh they she's when they're in the hallway she mentions they're kind of like, oh, thank you for not revealing my secret. Like nobody mentioned that. Oh, the mm-hmm. captain was the captain on the Prometheus, and Mara was a passenger on the Prometheus. So both of them are keeping their secrets, you know, very close to the chest. They go into Mara's room to go into her dreams dreamscape, and Ike says, maybe this is a dream. And Mara says, well, who is dreaming it then? Mm-hmm. And that kind of reminded me of that. There's a line in Twin Peaks when they say, um, we live inside a dream, but who is the dreamer? I'm glad you mentioned Twin Peaks. I, I wasn't going to make the connection because I didn't want to throw you off. But you remember the guy with the glove in in, this, in the third season of Twin Peaks, the glove? Mm-hmm. Tell me why when, uh, when Virginia got her hand all black, I thought of him. Oh, Yeah. <laughs> Definitely. Oh, yeah. Freddie Freddie Sites was his name. Yeah. I am the arm. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Will there be a character that will be Virginia's arm um, later? Who knows? Oh, no. Maybe. There'll be a nice, nice Lynchian, you know, uh, nice Lynch and Mark Frost hat tip. Yeah, they actually. I don't know if I already mentioned this, but these these showrunners are very big fans of of twin peaks so i, I oh i can see it yeah <laughs> I, I saw that with dark you know mm-hmm. yeah so they mora has a speech here where she says my father built this mean this meaning the hospital built this for my mother she was the only one he could show affection to he had two children me and my brother 
with each birth she became less and less who she used to be that was kind of weird because with each birth there's two of you <laughs> i mean um right at first, she just started to forget things. Then she started to forget our names and eventually us. My father resented it. He wanted her to get better. So in other words, he resented the children, I guess. So he mm -hmm. built this and decided to learn how the human brain worked and how to repair it if damaged. So this is the first time we've heard Mara say anything about a mother or her mother. Right. It, I thought it, it was yeah go ahead i thought it was a great villain origin story like it, it, it's that's listen that's really mr freeze you know what i'm saying mr freeze's wife got frozen i believe and so that kind of made mr freeze a little crazy um but i mean like I, it's it's a great villain origin story like you know something was going on with his wife where um she 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 went deeper and deep, deeper into a disorder where she kept forgetting everything. And that proposes somebody to really study the human mind and understand why this happened, but, you know, kind of go crazy with their invention and become evil. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I don't know. I was, my first thought was that it, they were talking about an early type of I don't know when Alzheimer's was discovered, you know, but I was like, is mm -hmm. this a form of Alzheimer's or dementia that that's what I thought Yeah, that they're talking about? Yeah. Um, and then we go into the we go into the hospital more. They're walking around. They go into the special room where Mora is always dragged into, which has this chair. And that's when they notice this window and the window has the ship's hole <laughs> on the other side of it mm -hmm. uh, more ends up breaking another wall which is a it's a fake wall it has a panel and then there's more of the ship's hull so you can see the outside of the ship's hull actually inside of this what we thought was the dream mm-hmm Then uh, the, as they continue in the in this hospital, they find oh, another wall. And Mara says, this used to be a door. There used to be a door here, the door that went to my father's office. And she mentions the, the boy and that he mentioned uh, asking the creator. They see the crystals. And this is when Daniel shows up. So before we get to that, what did you, I don't know, what were your thoughts about this? There's a ship inside dream, Mars dream world. Um, I thought, I thought it was a nice maze that they went through. Um, I liked, uh, I liked the moment where she sees, uh, she, she looks into a room and she sees a chair and then she gets a little flashback back to when, you know, people were, you know, carrying her away and she saw her dad's face and she was like, I know about the ship. Like they kept going back to that scene. Um, I thought I thought it was interesting. I I, I thought it, I um I didn't have many thoughts on it because I'm still like okay we keep coming back to this place but I'm not I'm not really getting any new information on what's going on here. Mm -hmm. Well, if you if you take it the most literal approach, the mm -hmm. most literal approach possible, there could physically be um a built you know a thing that's built. We built the ship inside mm -hmm. a big warehouse and then we built these portals right 
that go mm. into the dream worlds, but those are those are real and you know, we make them magical by putting like weird noises in them and I make you think you're going into a dream world, but you're literally just physically going down in this this giant room that that looks like a hospital um and building this. And so um yeah, it could be there is these aren't dreams and then when they wake up they just uh you know we're just gonna wake up we're gonna make you wake up inside the ship and forget that you weren't in the ship like we we change your memories so you actually think you're in 1899 Mm -hmm. yeah i mean that's the most obvious like (laughs) interpretation of what's happening that we could just keep wiping your memory day after day and, and put you back in the ship to see what you do. You know, where are you going to fall in love with Ike again when you see him wearing the coat? <laughs> if you do it, like if we do it 50 times, will will it happen exactly the same way again? Yeah. Right, right, right. No, 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 no. Yeah. Yeah. I, I see that part of it. It's just, um, I don't know. I just still got so many questions that just don't make sense to me. But I I, I see how that could be looked at as like, oh, it's a it's whole it's a whole construction, and you know it leads back to the line about like uh people put themselves in their own prisons and things of that nature. Uh, but yeah, I hear you. Mm-hmm. But yeah, then where's all this other stuff? It's like if he just has a lot of money, uh, right, right. Where did the black pyramid come from? You know, it's like I understand. Exactly. It's not it's not that it's all neat and put into a box. Okay, so then Daniel shows up and, you know, poor Daniel. I mean, (laughs) (laughs) Daniel Daniel. just keeps following that. You know, Daniel's whole thing that he does basically is he spies on Mara and Daniel and makes sure they're Mm -hmm. not making out. (laughs) I don't don't know what else to say about him. Yeah, go ahead. Yeah. Yeah, so basically the um, you know, Daniel shows up and you know, Ike, you know, one of the uh to 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 uh save the woman in distress goes, uh, stay right there. You know, he pokes points the gun at him, like, how are you here? How'd you get here? And Daniel tries to tell Mora, like, Mora, listen, you know, I, I followed you in here. Like, listen, I, I I'm just trying to help. And you know, Ike is, you know, Ike is, you know, he he's on edge. He doesn't know who he doesn't know to trust this guy, he doesn't know what's going on. So um, Daniel pulls out something uh, uh, that sends Ike to another place, pretty much, uh, and we'll, we'll we'll touch on that. Uh, but um, he dropped pretty much like uh, just um, man. I just had the saying. I, I think is it dropped the gavel, or he uh, he has a very great mic drop moment where he tells Mora like, "You don't recognize me. Mm-hmm. I'm your ex husband. You know we, <laughs> we you know, uh, or I'm your husband." You know, mm-hmm. I, you know, we we got married, you know, such and such so many years ago. And Maura is just totally like, you know, stunned by this news because obviously she doesn't remember him. Um, This whole time I was thinking he was her brother and she didn't recognize him as her brother. But when he said husband, I had so many questions. I mean, I, well, it makes sense why he's always around now, you know, <laughs> trying to make sure Ike doesn't push up on his on his wife. I get it now, but it's like. 
why not tell her sooner? Why not make a move on her sooner? You know what I mean? Like so many, so many questions in my head. I'm like, you know, there were so many things that I, I feel like there were so many moments he could have swooped in and, and at least tried to show some attraction towards her. I understand not flat out telling her I'm your husband because it might mess up some, it might mess up him and the boy's plan. But I don't know, this whole time he, he's he's felt friend zoned to me. <laughs> it, it felt like he it felt like he never tried to get out of that zone yeah well have you seen those movies there's there's a few of them but movies like romantic comedies about like memory loss right like let's think of 50 first dates or the one that's <laughs> The one that's the British one that's uh, I think it's like After Time or Time After Time. It's a really uh, good movie. I think that's called About Time. I didn't see that one, but I, I know about of it. Time. Yeah, yeah. It's yeah. A, they're both really sweet movies. Um, mm-hmm. involve uh, you know about memory loss and if we Fifty First Dates. Okay, let's remember think about that one or even Groundhog Day, which isn't about memory loss, but it is about meeting someone. You know, re meeting somebody for the first time that doesn't know you. Right. If you try to tell somebody that, you know, resume a connection that you had before that you no longer have now and they've forgotten you, it can be a really scary thing. Mm-hmm. Or they're like, who are you? I don't know you. And it can it can be really hurtful for you if you loved this person and you have to keep going through this, having them forget about you. I can see how that would be difficult. So Daniel's, yeah, his approach, he's been like, so where are you, where are you from? You're not Irish. Um, you know, kind of making, maybe he's the, you know, he's the kind of guy that he's not the coolest kid. I mean, we, we know he doesn't have a cool jacket. Um, and his, yeah, his other, his two techniques seem to be awkward small talk uh follow well following her around and three number three which is actually bad mouthing ike you know like that guy's making if stupid I, decisions <laughs> if i if i think to if i put myself in his position and, and my wife doesn't remember me and i gotta i gotta i'm on a mission and on, on while on that mission i gotta plant seeds of rekindling our love i mean this man knows his wife though like mm-hmm. I, I imagine he can say the right thing to her and she'd be like, how'd you know that about me? And it can lead to some conversation. Of course, get rid of, you know, dark, gothy threads. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? But I just I just looked at that like, man, he didn't give any inkling that he cares about this woman beyond like a brother-sister type of thing. So that's why it just, it, it threw me for a loop. I'm not, it's not, it's a good twist. I just think mm-hmm. his character kind of dropped the ball from get-go. Yeah. I mean, I think they wanted this to be surprising and also show the fact that she's got this connection with with Ike and our attention is so, you know, in that direction that we don't really think of Daniel that way. But he he does look so genuinely sad here. It's like, it's me, Daniel. We got married 12 years ago. Don't you remember me? And Mara thinks, you know, this is just one of my father's tricks Mm -hmm. because she can't remember who she is. So, you know, but she's torn about it. She's when you can tell when he says, 
I love you. And when he says, Daniel, she has to sort of think what, you know, and then she comes to herself and says, you know, you're lying. This isn't real. And, um, but yeah, she's like, where is Ike? What have you done with him? Cause he's disappears from view. And she ends up putting him in the, we in the chair room, the same room mm-hmm. that she came from. So yeah. Are the dudes going to come and drag him and put him into a chair? Um, but he mentions that I'm not going to let this happen again. I'm not going to leave you. So I don't know, you know, what's coming if, Daniel gets locked away like what will happen tomorrow and mm-hmm. um well, after this with this thing with Daniel uh Mara then goes outside and is doing she has sort of another weird bullet moment with the with the broken glass uh, she's trying to she figures her father's watching her somewhere. So she's yelling, father, where are you? And she takes the gun and throws it. And that's when the glass cracks. Mm-hmm. And just like with the frozen bullet, she sort of puts her hand up and she's touching it and trying to make sure what she's seeing. And then she pulls, takes, pulls fabric. There's like a fabric of some kind over more of the ship's hull. So we're continuing to realize our space is an illusion mm-hmm. of some kind. So we finally see the televisions again. Yes. Yes. And um, this, this time before with the televisions, we had uh you know, a character in each TV, but this time it's a little bit different. Um, I really couldn't see what was all on the TVs. We had Olick and the guys in the cold room, Romero and Anker. There's the bridge, just like the ship itself. And the four women who come out on the deck. So um, we're getting to our basically our um whatever cliffhanger we want to say so the the cliffhanger this time is the four women come out on the deck we see virginia Mm -hmm. with the her hand is infected with this these black crystals and a thunder huge thunderstorm starts and then there's what happens to ike so what (laughs) you're giving me these weird looks (laughs) i i just thought that was just a great i just thought that was a great uh drop-off moment with ike but before we get there the -hmm. four women on top of the ship Mm -hmm. so maybe i misread that moment was was a storm coming like what Mm -hmm. what was happening thunderstorm okay okay yeah okay all right well that's not i guess that's not that scary after everybody just walks off to their death of a ship they're like a thunderstorm right. but it did it was it was interesting though because the women come out they all have their lanterns mm-hmm. and this thunderstorm starts and Tove says this can't be real mm-hmm. oh because okay i know why she said that 
because isn't this all right we're at the we're at the cliffhanger though do, do you want to say anything else before we talk about the ending you mean the ending with ike or 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 with uh or with tove well with with the uh well may i don't know i thought I got more to say about Ike than with the with than with the uh, women yeah. on uh, coming well, out to the store. I was getting, I think I was getting those things mis- mixed up, but they did seem mm. really scared about this thunderstorm coming. Yeah. Okay. That's it. Yeah, I um, yeah, I hear you. Uh, so with Ike, you know, there, there's a great moment uh, where Ike, uh, the place he got transported to, that Daniel said, "All right, shoot, fly." Uh, he walks around, <laughs> uh, realizes he's on a ship, but he's not on hit. He may not be on his ship. So uh, he comes to um, comes to a room where he sees a uh, windows broken into. He looks out one of the windows and he uh, he sees a sea full of other ships, some tilted, some up straight. And, you know, the camera uh, zooms out and uh, that's the end. Uh, so. The way I interpreted that, and I could be wrong, is that I'm like, it kind of goes back to what you're saying. So they've done this thing many times where they they drug people, put them in the boat simulation, um, and it doesn't work. And this is where the other uh, old simulated boats are stashed, like maybe, or the old failed projects are stashed. And that's mm. where he got transported to. Um, that's kind of how I interpreted that. I said, okay, those are the boat rejects. <laughs> yeah yeah well i mean it did when it pulled back it showed he was on the prometheus mm-hmm. oh that's what that was okay did, so did it show the name or like mm-hmm. you just yeah okay okay i missed that but i like your theory too that i mean it was the prometheus but still yeah it's like if this is if the if they're on the Prometheus, if they've been on the Kerberos and they've mm-hmm. been on the Prometheus, in the next simulation, will the Kerberos be the ghost ship and there'll mm. be a new brand new ship called something completely different? Um, because we we do know that the ship That's what I was thinking. The ship disappeared, right? You know, when he right. um moved it, the ship just disappeared into the air and went somewhere else so i guess it went to this ship graveyard somebody somebody called somebody's been calling people have been calling netflix the the graveyard and they're like netflix (laughs) you're a ship graveyard with all of your unfinished shows this is where the oa is this is where (laughs) you say that's funny but yeah he wait so that is interesting, though. Why did I? I mean, why did uh, Daniel send him there? That is the question. Uh, multiple reasons. It might have been out of spite. <laughs> uh, another reason might be okay. He'll he'll be able to find his way back. Let me just take him somewhere to stall him for a bit. Or it might be mm-hmm. to send him there to uh, get him more answers to his questions. You know, it might he he might have invited him there to show him something. Like mm. maybe he'll catch up with him later on. Yeah, I like it. I like it. So our ending song was "All Along the Watchtower" by Jimi Hendrix, 
which was the song was cool. from uh, one of the trailers. Yeah. I don't think anything is beating the uh, Don't Fear the Reaper uh, uh, mic drop. That's been my favorite ending song so far. Hmm. Yeah, I liked I've liked a lot of the songs, even though like with this song, I feel like I've heard this one so much as well as Black Rabbit, Same. but I still like it in the in the ending when they play that song. I'm like, yeah, but I like the Echo and the Bunny Man song. I like the. Um, the Sweet Child in Time, Sweet Child Time. Yeah, I like that song, too. <clears throat> um, right. Well, I had so the. My little research thing I did this week was I mm -hmm. noticed an interesting symbol on the doors when they go into when when Mara and Ike go into the mental hospital, they go mm -hmm. to the door and they're going up the steps and they're the glass doors behind them. There's this symbol on both the doors and it's mm -hmm. a pole with a snake wrapped around it. And I was I was like, I've seen this symbol before. Um, so let me just look up what this is. Mm -hmm. And I thought um, it's sort of the symbol of the health profession in general. Right, um, right. When you have sort of like the doctor sign and you, it's the World Health Organization is the people who own this symbol. And there's a lot of permission and stuff you have to make sure you do to be able to use this symbol. But the right. first thought, when I was like snake or, uh, with a snake or with a pole, a snake around a pole, I was like, okay, with my knowledge, the first thing I knew about was the story in the Bible where the people are complaining about not having manna and meat. And, and after mm -hmm. doing this several times, God got upset and sent a plague of snakes and the snakes bit the people. <laughs> yeah. And the way that this plague was resolved was that uh, Moses put a snake on a pole and held it up. And if the people looked at the snake on the pole, then they would be saved. Um, so it's like a symbol of, of life giving. So I knew about mm. that story, but when I looked, when I looked it up on the internet to kind of see what, what that said, it didn't mention the Bible story at all. It mentioned that this symbol is back to a Greek thing. So back to our like Kerberos and Prometheus Greek uh, research. There's two versions of this symbol. The first one is called the caduceus. And the stick is a staff that was carried by the Olympian god of Hermes. And in Greek mythology, Hermes was a messenger between the gods and the humans. And which is why he had the wings. Okay. And a guide to the underworld. So back to the underworld, like dog of the dog, guard dog of the underworld. Um, so there's a messenger between the gods and the humans. Now, if we look at that in the context of 1899, if the gods are... Uh, if we God is the creator, Henry Singleton, and the humans are the people in the ship, there are people that have been acting as messengers. Like one of them might be Daniel. One of them might be Sebastian. One of them might be the boy. Mm -hmm. And then there's, uh, of course, Angel's name was, is Angel, which is the messenger of God. 
So I thought that was interesting tie-in, but the other one is even a little bit more interesting. Um, the earlier depiction of the medical symbol is the staff of Ashlepius. <laughs> this one has no wings and only one snake. And the, the version that's in the show is only the one snake. Um, Ashlepius is the son of Apollo and a human princess named Coronus. And uh, so it's a demigod, the demigod of medicine. Mm -hmm. According to mythology, he was able to restore the health of the sick and bring the dead back to life. And in one telling, Zeus killed Asclepius with a thunderbolt for disrupting the natural order of the world by reviving the dead. And in another version, Zeus killed him as punishment for accepting money in exchange for conducting a resurrection. So this this uh, story got, you know, it was another one that I was like, ooh, that's cool because um, of the story about Mara and her mother. Right. And um, whether this is a repeating cycle or all an attempt to maybe save the mom and help her, could what is happening on the 1899, the experiments, be seen as bringing people from from death to life again or being having a resurrection of sorts hmm. that was, that's some uh that's some interesting um uh tie-ins there we're not tie-ins but those are some interesting like um uh stories that are connected to like the symbolism um with, with that snake uh yeah i do remember that story in the bible and i i didn't even make that connection because that does that that is an interesting uh allegory for uh for the story. Like um again, I keep going back to that prison line that 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 Henry says, you know, everyone um the ship is taking them to a new world. So optimism slowly turns to pessimism to uh fear as this series goes along. And you know, people are trying to, like Mora, trying to break out of where they are, and that's not uh so-called being thankful for the dream world that they're presented with on the ship mm -hmm. yeah the they're sort of looking for a new life and right yeah but it, it yeah it just it dawned on me that we don't know what the purpose of all this is but you know it could be just hey it's a hospital so we need to put a snake <laughs> that's like the symbol it's been used forever so we're just gonna put this mm -hmm. in here but I thought I was thinking back to how Prometheus was, you know, he got in trouble for using, you know, giving technology, giving fire to the humans. And this story kind of ties nicely in with that is that right. we're reviving the dead. We're and we're or we're going to be messengers between the gods and the humans. So, again, passing knowledge, maybe that the humans weren't supposed to dabble with or weren't supposed to be allowed to have and the the consequences of overreaching and doing trying to you know reach into the matters of the gods so mm -hmm. yeah well that is all i have for this episode tonight is there anything else you want to uh throw out there before we wrap this up 
Uh, just some anticipation, you know what I mean? Like, I want to see how this further complicates the relationship between Maura and Daniel, uh, Maura and Ike. Uh, I want to see where how Ike ends up and how Ike ends up getting back. I mean, he's got to come back. You know, he, he's got to come back. He's part of the cast here. Uh, I want to know if that storm is gonna really going to turn into anything. I want to know more about the Black Crystals. I want to know where the boy is. Hmm. Um I'm going to even throw this out there and say the boy uh, it might might be more a son. Um, maybe, maybe not. But uh, it would be interesting uh, uh, twist if, if he is. But uh, yeah, just 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 uh, looking forward to seeing um, what more comes out of all of this. Yeah, I'm kind of worried about Daniel, because if you if we remember, Daniel left the boy in Mars dream world to keep him safe. But mm-hmm. the fact that they can't find him, either he's a really good hider, and we know he probably he probably is. Yeah. But where is he hiding? And it, even if he was hiding, if he heard Mara's voice, wouldn't he have come out to be with her because he's shown that he trusts her? So it does make me wonder if somebody's, you know, if somebody did catch him. Mm-hmm. I don't yeah. know. We'll see. And, you know, it was, I did did also remember that Sebastian, when he goes to talk to Henry, he goes through the cabinet. <laughs> right? Right, right? He goes right, through the right. cabinet that the boy was in. So I guess it works both ways. You can get in the cabinet <laughs> and you can get out of the cabinet. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, why don't you go ahead and promote your channel and share anything exciting coming up for you? Oh, yes, yes, yes. Um, you can find me on Twitter and Instagram at uh, Black Cinephile. Uh, pretty much Black Cinephile together without the C in Black. Uh, listen to my podcast, Double Feature Versus. You can find us on all podcast platforms. Uh, you can find us on YouTube. I got a backlog of videos that I have to upload, but on the audio side, we're all up to date. Um, our next episode is going to be comparing Knock at the Cabin to uh, Richard Kelly's The Box. So pretty much just tight psychological thrillers with um, you know um, damning choices that characters have to make. It's pretty much the, uh, the similar theme. So we're going to Duke those two out, see which ones win. Hmm. And uh, yeah, that's what I got coming up. I'll have to look more into the box because I've never heard of that one before. You never saw that with Cameron Mm -hmm. Diaz and James Marsden? Oh, it's pretty solid. Okay, well, I'm one of my stories. That's oneofmystories.com. I am working my hardest to get out a M. Night Shyamalan retrospective that I recorded this week. So nice. Yeah, that kind of look back on his list of movies before and then I have to do a knock at the cabin review that's what's coming up for me real soon I did also just put out a review of Skinamarink nice nice yeah I thought that movie was interesting it 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 was definitely creepy but um I thought it was really interesting I I enjoyed myself when I saw that um there's a moment in the theater where it was only like five of us spread out uh, there was a real jump scare. Where I was like, "Oh sh!" But I was, the, <laughs> I was the only guy that made a noise. Everybody else was either asleep or just like you know keeping their keeping their jumps to themselves. I've I've heard rumors about people seeing that movie in the theater. Uh, I watched mine at home, but 
Okay, All folks. Right. Well, we don't want to prolong it anymore, but do tune in for our next episode, which will be episode seven, the penultimate episode, mm-hmm. The Storm. Tune in then. So everybody, good night. Night.